Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast that, wait a minute, I'm not David Edgar. Good evening folks, during the international week that seemingly last 12 days, I was right, I'm not David Edgar, my name is Ian Hogg and tonight in a, in a spectacular role reversal, a bit like uh, the tent scene in Brokeback Mountain, I'll be your host, our special guest tonight to explore Heart and Hand as a podcast from inception to now to the what happens next. It's a very good evening to David Edgar. Ah, I bet you they weren't expecting that one, were they? That's a, a bit of a left field, uh, that, that's like a Pedro appointment of a start to a podcast, Ian. Aye, get the assistant manager in. Yes, well, a new spot. Op- a new spot opened up when Scott uh, when Scott wasn't allowed out to play anymore. So uh, you, you you've seamlessly filled the void, so to speak. Oh, Hoggy's gone, all Graham Murty. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's a kind of weird position for me to be in. Actually, I, I feel a bit discombobulated because all my usual pre-match routine goes out the window when I'm uh, the other side of the of the microphone, so to speak. So uh, I don't really know what to expect. And uh, <laughs> for the listeners, it's, if it's going to sound unusual to you, it's going to be very unusual for me, and I dare say for Ian as well. So it's going to be. It, sh- it should be interesting. If nothing else, it should be interesting. Let's go for it. So, um, so, so as I say tonight, we're we're, we're going to explore heart and hand as a podcast. I, David, I'll I'll fire some questions. You don't know where they are, which is good, and uh, and we'll see where it takes us. Yes, exactly. Could be a seven minute podcast, indeed, or a seven hour. You never know. <laughs> so, uh, so way back in two thousand and ten, you had you finished your role with the Rangers Supporters Trust, and the first pod. Uh, was was spawned, still available on iTunes, uh, and it aired on the fourth of August. And here we are, seven plus years later, mm. and the pod continues to to, to evolve. So, re- really, really simple one to start with. Why on earth did you start it? 
Um, I'd been looking to step down from the trust for a while, uh, as I was talking about in the last pod, in the middle of 2009 actually, um, uh, I had a complete sort of change of, of lifestyle and whatnot, and one of the things that uh, I felt I needed to do was get, that, that was a very stressful position, and I thought that uh, it would be better for me personally to, to step down, but... At the time, the guys at the the rest of the board at the trust were like, you know, please, please don't do this, or or please don't do this now. And I think when they saw that I, I was kind of quite determined because I was burnt out, I'd, I was done. And I think that when they saw that, they realised, yeah, it's it's probably you know we we really should let them go, kind of thing. So I agreed to stay on for another year and uh, stepped down at the end of that season, and that's what I did. And at the times, I had a plan to write a book which I did, uh, the very excellent and still available and you can now get on your Kindle, um, 21st Century Blue, Being a Bear in the Modern World and I had plans to do that, so I did that, I remember um, I, I took six weeks over the summer and I, I wrote full time, so Monday to Friday and I wrote the book and the publisher liked it and all of that kind of thing and then around about the time that for, for entertainment I'd sort of discovered podcasts the year before um, in, in 2009 when you know no longer going to the pub every night I, I, I had to find other ways to fill my time and I really liked this particular one that um, Alan Davis did uh, with a couple of friends about Arsenal and from that actually in the kind of you might also like this uh, there was another one called The Spurs Show with uh, Phil Cornwell who a lot of people might know as he was uh, the impressionist in Stella Street and he's, he's appeared in a lot of stuff with Alan Partridge and uh, various other various other things, a comedian from London, and I really liked both of them, even though I wasn't a fan of obviously either Arsenal or Tottenham. So uh, I remember saying to to my friend Robbie, I was like, I wish somebody would do something like this for Rangers, and he said, Well, you do it, and I said, Oh no, I I, I wouldn't know what to do. He said, Well, how hard can it be? Uh, famous last words, and I emailed the production company Playback Media because I figured they they would know what to do. And they came back to me and I said, look, you know, my name's David Edgar, I've been the Supporters Trust for five years, here's me, I think I'm pretty confident in front of a microphone, I've got an idea for a show. And they said, right, okay, let's do a pilot and we'll see if there's any interest in it. And that, that was the beginning. And from that, I guess there was some very... Uh, visible, very vocal attacks on yourself towards the kind of latter years and the the, the Rangers Supporters Trust. Any if, any concerns going into the pod to begin with about that? No, because when I was in the trust, I had to. I wouldn't say watch what I was saying because you know anyone who remembers me from back then would know that I, I probably didn't do it as much. But I did in terms of. The, the kind of thing I said and the kind of way I presented myself uh, which was very serious and, and quite po-faced and, and I, I wanted to do something that was more uh, more about fun you know what was funnier and something that sort of explained what it was like to be a Rangers fan and that, that, that was the whole point of the book as well and because the experience that I saw portrayed in the media and had fought against in the media wasn't what it was like to be a Rangers fan and then I, I just thought do you know what I'm just going to do this and it's not going to be fire and brimstone and it's not going to be deadly serious and very po-faced uh, I wanted to do something that I wanted to do something that was like the conversations I had with my mates 
And when I sat down to think about what I would do in the show, that that was it. There, there it was. I'll have conversations with my mates. And that was the only real rule that I had in place with it because I knew that I found them funny <laughs> and I knew that uh, if, if I found them funny, other people might. But even if they didn't, fine, I'd have done a show that I liked and we would put it out for a few weeks and if nobody was listening, fine, we would wrap it. But no, I wasn't really concerned with people having a go at me because having a go at me personally never really bothered me. I always was more worried about the effect that it had on the trust as an organisation because at the end of the day, if some stranger is calling you a wanker, he knows who you are and you don't know who he is, so fuck him. Um, and and that was always my my. It's maybe one of the benefits of being quite arrogant is is, is that it never really bothered me that much. But the uh, I can't say that the volume of them towards the end that did start to get me down. Uh, and the the kind of but I, I I figured that we would be able to make it more light hearted. That I wouldn't have to answer to anybody, which was another big thing about it. And that I I could set the tone for it and it could be what I wanted it to be. And it was very much on the principle of this operates on an audience of one, uh, which is, does this entertain me? And then a, a, a slightly extended audience of, does this entertain my mates? So there was always a risk it could be quite self-indulgent. I understand that. And at times I, I think it has been, but I always thought that people would get in on the jokes because they weren't, I think, particularly um, hard to break down, you know. So I, I thought what would happen is if people like this, then they can maybe feel a part of the community because the whole thing is based on the community and being ranger supporters. So, yeah, I mean, I understood there would be people... There are people out there who who hear my name and just instinctively recoil, and a lot of that's to do with my time in the Trust, and there's nothing I can do about it. So I, I figured, fine, they don't need to listen to it. And it's not like when I was doing the Trust when I, you couldn't really escape me some weeks, and, and I do understand how that pissed people off. It would, you know, If I hadn't been me, I would, I would have pissed me off. So I figured that... To listen to this, you have to go out your way. You have to go find it and download it. It's not like it's going to be, you know, pushed down your ears sort of thing. So I figured that those who really didn't want to hear it wouldn't hear it. And and again, there was never any um, desire to be nasty or settle old scores. And I think it's one thing if you listen up until really... Uh, I would maybe occasionally mention something that happened in the trust, but it was never about this is my time in the trust and this is what happened and this is what I think sort of thing. Um, and that's why the format was was weekly and based on what was happening, and we didn't tend to go back and you know fight old battles or anything like that. So yeah, the, the, I knew there would be people who would be you know he's a prick, but I could live with that. Fair enough. So, so, so in those early days, you said you know you you, you sat down, you wrote you wrote an outline of what it was you wanted. No, the, I didn't. That's what. No, I didn't. That's far too professional for me. And you've been in this pod long enough, but to explain to listeners, no, I came up but, with it. I came up with an outline. Fair um, enough. But uh, it was it was all in my head, and uh, still is to this day. Just in case I get hit by a bus, because then it means one of you can't just take over. I figure if I write it down, Cammy will try and bump me off to get the spot. 
So uh, it's like the Godfather. Um, you know, he he had all the connections to the judges, and he wouldn't tell anyone what it was. And if uh, if he got bumped off, the Corleone family lost all their influence. Well, it's just the same with us, uh, as I say, to prevent any kind of bell-led coup d'etats. Which is uh, which is perfectly perfectly reasonable. In those early days, in your head or or whatever the hell it was, you know, I've I've, I've been on the pod. I know the agenda can be short. Limited, non-existent. One text uh, message of two bullet points, generally. Yeah, very much. And in the early days, you know, uh, almost pre-decent Skype and all the rest of it, it was round a table. It was face to face. It was somebody's front room. Yeah. How, how did you go about in those really early days setting direction, setting content? I'm thinking of things like. You know, it evolved really, really quickly into sport and integrity sections, into spears of the week, um, you know, into who the fuck is Gigi Bacali, that type of stuff. How, how did that all come about in the early days? Uh, I think a mixture of influences, as in things I was listening to, because obviously you've got uh, Galdian, um Football Weekly and you had the, the Times podcast and you also had the whole playback media empire because apart from the Arsenal and the Spurs ones they had you know West Ham and uh, Liverpool Man United they had various club ones so I listened to a few of them um, to see kind of what they did and I remember actually at the time that they, they, they told me we don't do sections and, and I said well I want to do sections um, and we don't always do it now because, as you say, it's it's kind of evolved. Uh, we won't do sections in this tonight, for example. But I I, I said to them, no, I want to do it in sections, as in you know the game, you know a topic, and then you know the daft bit at the end, sort of thing. And uh, that really just came up as as an idea one day of just we should do we called it spears of the week for obvious reasons, and we so we just you know look round and and. Uh, <laughs> and see who who's made a who's made an arse of themselves because there's always somebody in football. There's always a funny story we can refer to. And over the years, Scott took that and ran with it, and kind of it became his thing, and he's, he's very good at it. But yeah, the, there was no real plan other than I knew somebody had to be in charge. Um, I'm a great believer in that. That with any creative enterprise, be it a, a band or a show or a, a a television, it doesn't matter, but somebody has to have the final say on everything. So from the start, it was always going to be, this is what I want to do. And I'll, you know, would listen to people's suggestion, and that includes the production company, but because I'm not totally dogmatic about it, and I'm not ever going to say that it can't be improved, or it can't be better. So I'll always listen to ideas. But at the end of the day, if I said we're doing this, then that's what we were doing. So, so long as I knew roughly what the structure I wanted was, I could then work around that. And as you say, it started to evolve quite quickly. Certain things we would try and they wouldn't really work, so we would drop them. And other things we tried and they did work, so they would stay. But a lot of it was just natural, and that, that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be a conversation. And I think if you listen to the first few ones now, it's amazing how similar they are to the later ones. They're a wee bit more stilted in places, and you can hear um, us finding our voice kind of thing. I don't think anything arrives gift-wrapped and and ready to go. But I felt that we would do that, and that the audience who started with us would, would come with us and help us shape that by saying, 
wasn't too keen on that, liked that, whatever. And then just as I say, things started to things started to happen. And one of the reasons that I really wanted Scott to be involved in it, and he was nervous at the start because it it, it wasn't something he was he was confident of, is that Scott and I, in particular, have the, very much a sense of humour that if if one of us goes off somewhere on a, on a joke, the other one kind of knows where he's going and will follow and will play off it. And yeah, I knew we wouldn't have to rehearse or come up with bits or anything like that. I knew it would just be quite natural, and, and we would just record it. But I, I knew it could get very self-indulgent. So so straight away, I set limits on things like. If I say we're, we're moving on, we're moving on, right? I, I, there's a reason behind it. Don't argue; it's, it's not going to happen. Um, and if I say no, we're not doing something, then no, we're not doing something. And although it's a wee bit dictatorial, it was because otherwise I didn't want to end up in a situation where we had maybe because at the start we had four people, um, and again that was just based on the podcast I listened to. I always had four people, so I thought that was it. And eventually I realised that's too many, um, and it can go off. Uh, on too many different directions at, at once and it becomes a mess it becomes hard for the listener to to follow and also another thing was about having somebody who was if you like the, the producer as well as you know one of the, the um, on air people was that I would say to people I mean you, you know this um, if I put my hand up finish because you know we're moving on and also, if, if you want to come in and you want to speak, don't talk over somebody because it's one of the most unpleasant things you can hear is you're walking along with your headphones in and there are people arguing with each other and talking over the top of each other. And it, it's just, no matter what the content, no matter what they're saying, it's just an unpleasant noise. So from the start, there was very much that case of, you know, I, I want you all to do this because I think you can contribute X or Y or this is what I know you're good at. But... um it is going to be my baby and for better or for worse that's what it will be and then if anyone who who had done it and it's never happened thankfully but if anyone had done it and went it's really not what I want it to be I'm not going to do it anymore that's cool um, and it's why I say to people when they say that there's bits of it that they, they don't like that's absolutely fine you're, you're entitled to that but I think as soon as you start to do things by committee you don't end up with something that someone really likes. You end up with something that everyone can live with, but that nobody actually really likes. And I think it's better to just have one person who says, this is what I'm going for, and then if you achieve it, great. And like I say, if the audience like it, fantastic. If they don't, I'll probably stop it. And that, that was another thing. Um, when people make suggestions, again, I listen to them. Sometimes we take them up, sometimes we don't. But I, I'm never going to go out and say... What could we do, guys, that will get us more listeners? Because then you're not doing something truthfully, you're doing something for commercial reasons. And when you start to do that, you lose the essence of, I think, what made the show in the first place. So that's that's why when, when listeners come up with suggestions, I will you always consider them, unless they're moronic. But I'll always try and say, yeah, okay, yeah, we could work that in, or yeah, I take your point about that. But I, I don't ever want to do th- something where it becomes a focus group pod where everybody I'm trying to juggle 42 different things that I personally might not believe in to try and attract as wide an audience as possible it's a show it is what it is and people will either like it or they will not like it and eventually there will come a time when more people don't like it than like it and nobody's listening and I'll stop doing it and I'll have been glad about the run that we had 
So that that was the sort of thought processes. And I think some key feedback, like, are you a Rangers fan, is, is, is quite up there, David. I'm waiting on a uh, letter from him. <laughs> yes. And uh, just, just, just to wrap up those early days, so in that first year or so, um, we were we were pretty successful. We won the title at Rugby Park. We led Celtic in the early days of Ali uh, before the wheels came off quite spectacularly. In that first year or so, how was the, pro- the pod greeted by... The, the the audience the public how is it greeted by the club and how is it greeted greeted by the, the kind of mainstream media or gutter press uh, uh, I think in terms of an audience it found one quite quickly which uh, and a decent sized one at that which I was quite grateful for like we were getting 10 twelve thousand people listening within the first few weeks which now obviously it dwarfs that but at the time it was a hell of a lot for a startup with no publicity um, and uh, being arrogant but not <laughs> not being too too arrogant and saying how wonderful I am but just I had a little bit of a name based on the trust stuff and that's not me being up myself I can't, I'll do, I'll be up myself later on I'll take all the credit for stuff but uh, it was just people kind of went oh I, I know who he is and I liked him on the trust the other thing about it was is that at the time because you've still got people that are just discovering podcasts today and uh, it, it's still a, a market that, that hasn't in any way reached the saturation point yet there's still more and more people who are finding this uh, and at the time it were it was people who were kind of quite technologically minded people who were quite sort of uh, hipsterish I suppose is the word but I think we drew a kind of younger audience who were less traditional and I say younger I mean it could be any up to you know like 40 but I just mean that it, w- it was people who were Maybe more on a wavelength with the kind of stuff that we were that we were doing, and also people who were kind of sick of the traditional media. Um, so that that was how uh, it, it was received by them. How it was received by the club? Uh, well, at the time it was still David Murray and Martin Bain, and you know they still you know <laughs> bridled at the mention of my name, kind of thing. So initially, I think, and there were people who worked at Ibrox. So initially, I think thought it was going to be a vehicle for me to you know go out go out there and start settling old scores or saying libelous things or whatever um and i remember though that it never really occurred to me to have anything to do with the club because i knew that i was persona non grata so but playback god love them they after a few weeks said oh we, we advertise with the clubs that we do the pod so we'll go and ask them <laughs> i just laugh and <laughs> go and ask them and they came back and they said they said they can't um take adverts for you because the podcast is too sectarian uh, and I love that phraseology because I, I wondered, you know, just what the acceptable level of sectarianism was. If we were, you know, if we were too sectarian, what would have been just sectarian enough, or would we have been kicked off for being not sectarian enough? You know, I mean, were, were the levels of it? But um, given that, <laughs> I knew there would be people listening to this who weren't fans of Rangers. Um, let's just say that there's a, a market out there of people who will listen to stuff looking to be offended so there's nothing sectarian on it um, there never has been for the simple reason is a lot of people would try and get it shut down 
So it was obviously bollocks by the club, but I love that that it says a lot, doesn't it, about the kind of Murray regime that that was when when something happened with fans they didn't like that was their go-to position of I'll chuck the word sectarian in there, which I think was a large part of the problem with their relationships with the fans. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll throw the sectarian bomb and that they can't really come back on that. And yeah, uh, what can you do? As for the press, uh, the ones who were aware of it again. You know, maybe you're kind of younger, more um, more open-minded people, and and a lot of them were quite uh, were quite complimentary about it. Even even back then, uh, I've got to say, and uh, like for instance, at the time, through the trust that uh, I'd appeared quite a few times on off the ball, um, and I remember Tam Cowan and Stuart Crosgrove both said, "Oh, I, I really like your show. I'd be happy to appear on it." And I kind of thanked them, and, and I remember thinking, "That's not what I want. I don't want journalists. I don't want you know that. That's not what this is. People can get that elsewhere." Um, so, generally speaking, this was obviously before you know Cosgrove joined the uh, joined the ranks of of full on uh, but I, I I didn't want it to be that and. Mark used to come at me and say things like, oh, I can get an interview with this youth coach at, at uh, Okinawa, and I'd be like, no, that's, that's not what we want to do. Um, and maybe now, you know, moving forward and we've got more room, things like that can happen. But at the time, again, I had a very, I had a very clear and very narrow vision of what the show should be, and that was, uh, and that was it. But yeah, the the media, those who were aware of it, I think were you know were quite quite impressed by it because I think there was a lot of guys who wanted to get their newspaper into things like podcasting. And yeah. I, th- I think that they they maybe could then point to this as an example. But it, it flew under the radar. I mean, for the first, I'd say probably two or three years, it was a cult thing, and that that just suited me fine because we were able to. To, to just put it out every week with it without anybody really bothering us. So the first year came and went, or the first year and a half came and went, and then the run up and the run up to and February two thousand and twelve happened, uh, and then obviously got immeasurably worse in, in that the following summer. Did you think about using the pod at that time as a more political tool? I, I I didn't want to join a cause because nobody knew what was going on. And I think that rather than me trying to, you know, relive my days in the trust or get more involved, and you need to remember that once I decided to stop doing that, there hasn't been a day that I wished I hadn't and I've never wanted to go back into it. So I I wanted to use the pod at that time to sort of try and put things into sense Firstly for myself and then for the listeners. And if you listen to the shows from back then, you'll hear a lot of confusion, you'll hear a lot of hope, uh, you'll hear a lot of anger. I just wanted to to reflect what we were all going through and not to, if you like, pick a horse and then back that horse forever kind of thing. And, and it, it always it, it was always important to, for me to be just talking as a fan to other fans and not to then suddenly say, well, I can use this to get back into being a, a fan rep or whatever you want to call it. I, I had no interest in that. And that's, I mean, I did get approached by 
potential suitors at the time. You might remember that there were a few names in the frame and they would say, you know, can I come on your show? And I'd be, no, um, because there are enough con men floating around. I, I really don't want to be seen in any way to give a stamp to someone who might well turn out to be the devil. And if you listen to the pods at the time and we're honest about this, there are times where we say, well, you're welcome, Craig White, kind of thing, because they're snapshots of that week. So they're snapshots of, of what was happening. We, you know, after a while, you, you begin to, to think we began to obviously turn same as everybody else, similarly with Charles Green, similarly with the Sports Direct stuff, all that kind of stuff. But we didn't ever want to use it as a soapbox uh, other than just to say we are Rangers fans and we are unhappy about this, you need to fix it or, you know, this is passion. It's always just been let's analyse what's happening this week. It's never been about trying to further the cause of any individual other than, uh, well, no individual, but anything other than just Rangers fans and to, and to say this is what Rangers fans are thinking. Um, well, this is what we are thinking, and we think we are we are representative of Rangers fans, um, and we're always taught that's the other thing. Remember, we, you know, right from the start with the social media aspect, so people have always been able to get in touch with us. So I don't think that we are ever out of step because even if we disagree, I think we'll say that and say, you know, I know this isn't a popular opinion, but but it's never been a case of us saying you need to back this guy because we are telling you to. That's not something. I'm remotely interested in. I think during those dark days, David, you know, I I, I always found either doing the pod or listening to the pod quite. Th- it was almost like group therapy. Yeah. On, yeah. On a on a weekly basis, you know. But I wonder. I, I I was wondering, just jotting down some notes last night. Through those dark days of 2012 to probably early 2015. Did you ever think about just exposing any individuals in a kind of kamikaze, gung-ho, fuck-it manner? You have to be careful because we are still governed by um, libel laws and we are still governed by... You can't go on and accuse people of stuff if you don't know if it's true or not. It's as simple as that. And, And like everybody else, you know, we had to... I know people sometimes get a bit frustrated that we might allude to something and we don't do it often but we might allude to something that we know or we've heard and the reason we don't say it is because we've no proof and we can't say it so you know I could come on and say well you know Director X likes to do this with you know uh, local escorts or whatever uh, there was obviously a um, a, a rather famous spiv who, who had an account of that sort of thing and again I'm not even naming them because a, most of you will know B, those of you don't ask about they'll tell you and C you, you can't say stuff like that without any proof because you will then be sued and especially when people are in the institution and have the legal backing of the institute or rather the legal power of the institution that they can then use against you um, that it becomes very difficult to do that but also, I think we we strove to keep it to keep it lighthearted and within the moment. And when I say that, it makes it sound as though we were sitting making knock knock jokes rather than going through. We were going through the pain as well. And listen to those shows; you'll hear it. Um, the first half of it, we always tried to end, you know, with something funny or, or something upbeat for our own sanity as much as anything else. But we didn't ever. Um, 
you know, had we had we found out something, then yes, we would have, you know, we would have used it. But we weren't digging, and we weren't, uh, we, you know, we weren't going into. Um, going round, you know, finding things out or, or hiring PIs or anything like that. So um, a lot of the time, as stuff came out, we heard about it at the same time as everybody else. And that that's, I think, why why the pod worked, because this was just genuine reactions from genuine fans. It wasn't any kind of political point scoring. Um, the reason the pod sounds heartbroken the week that, that we were in the administration is because we were heartbroken. So those were tough times. I don't, I don't particularly want to dwell on them too much, David. To be honest, because I do think those, those three years, it was more, uh, it was replaying the news. It was talking about the news. It was almost therapy, therapy like. Mm. It was a battle. I mean, it was. It was to do them was a battle, because it was just this. You found yourself being piled under this sludge of absolute shite that was coming, and every day some embarrassing or horrific revelation was coming out about the club and the, the, your motivation to go and talk about it is is zip and the two things that kept us going were one, what you said the kind of therapy aspect of it and two, that people said you know, thank you for putting a smile on my face last week or, or thank you for putting it into context for us and that worked both ways because while we were sitting working through it ourselves, you know, we were getting that benefit too, if people kind of came away with it and said, well, I now have a kind of clearer understanding of it, we'd established that for ourselves between talking as a group to each other, so in that regard, that that was what kept it going through that And I did feel, you know obviously the, the new world order arrived in 2000, kind of Q1, Q2, 2015 Um I almost felt as if the pod went through a period of um, almost positive evolution following three years of therapy. Yeah, and 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 obviously through then 2016 continued to grow. Club stabilised a bit from the just the shitstorm it had, it had been in, and I think we entered 2017 just with you know almost reinvigorated and in, in new initiatives twice weekly pods mm. god life shows that we've talked about for a while uh, it, it was almost the next evolution of heart and hand what what kind of scale of listeners are we talking about now david um kind of we, we've moved up this year we used to average about 80,000 we're probably now averaging about 100,000 in a really big week getting about 120,000 and obviously it depends what's happening and the game so for obvious reasons, a home match against Hamilton isn't going to draw the same audience as, as an old firm match, for example, or a, or a cup final or a big European game. So uh, it, it can ebb and flow, but it consistently works out about six figures and it's just staggering to me still. Um, and it's it's growing year on year. We've never had a dip. We've never, uh, if you were to see a, a, a chart of how it goes, it's pretty much a straight line up the way. Um, and and it, it tends not to spike either, which is interesting. But since this summer has probably been our fastest growth, I would say, just for putting on new listeners. And whether that's more visibility of the show, I don't know. But uh, yeah, so the, the, those are the kind of figures that we're talking about. And obviously, obviously, we had the 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 first interview special with Kevin Thompson. Yeah, well, 
That was a huge one. I mean, that's the biggest show we've ever done. Um, and I think because it picked up, uh, it got press attention um, because obviously of Kevin's, you know, uh, now fantastically infamous comments about Robbie Keane. And that, that I think, then alerted people to it. And, and I know that listeners have told me that they'd maybe been on it friends to listen for a while and they sent them that and from that they then got into to the rest of it and again having spoke at the start about having a very narrow idea of what the show was to be like I, I never wanted X players on it and it was only when we moved to the second one and that's a playback media um, they get the credit for that because I, they, they were on at me for about two or three years to do that I mean really well 2015 in particular they started saying, you know, come on, you know, do a Friday show, do a preview show. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I don't have the time. Um, and then, you know, as I, as I spoke about the pod Monday, uh, sorry, on Friday, uh, I did. I, I now do have the time. So I said, OK, I'll, I'll give it a try and I'll see what happens. And then uh, after a few weeks, I thought, well, we can't do a preview show this week. So what will I do? Um, and I thought I'll do an interview, see if that works, and, and contacted Kevin, and he did it, and you know, it, 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 that that was an experiment because I'd have done it and it was rubbish, and um, I, it turned out I wasn't very good at it at, at interviewing because it wouldn't have been his fault, it would have been my fault. You, you've heard Kevin speak; he's incredibly articulate and interesting and funny guy with great stories to tell. So had that been a really rubbish episode, then I was crap at it, and it wouldn't have been worth continuing. And the likes of this tonight, even um, I would never have considered two years ago. Uh, a lot of that came from the Q and A, which which people again, this is a, that's a fan led thing. That's entirely uh, listener led. Um, they they were the guys who came up with that. They said, well, "Why don't you do something like that?" And loads of people had suggested over the years, saying, "Why don't you do a Q and A?" And I I just didn't think there would be any interest in it. And then. Uh, a, a friend of mine had a good point. He said, "Well, do it one week because you know you you get annoyed when podcasts you listen to take a week off." And he's right, I do. <laughs> you know, it's like bastards. You know, it, it affects my routine. He said, "So that's kind of what it's like for people with you." So just do something. And I did the Q and A, and people liked it, and they they do you know surprisingly well as well. They they're kind of quite popular the Q and A episodes. So. Just just little things like that, and that's why um, when we move to the subscription thing, one of the key things of that is that if listeners suggest shows to me, that again, unless they're, you know, David, why don't you record a show in the middle of a fountain naked um, ideas, if, if they're sensible ideas, I can pretty much guarantee we'll try it um, at least once to see if it works or not. Uh, and even then, even if it doesn't work, there might be parts of it that we can you know like reuse or or adapt or change so those those kind of things as i say came along at the right time for me personally um and also at a good time in terms of people discovering the concept of podcasts you know like i say every year more and more people who maybe haven't had a history of uh listening to podcasts or, or weren't really aware of them are because it's becoming more easy, obviously. I mean, even up to a couple of years ago, to download a podcast, you know, you had to 
turn on your laptop, download it to iTunes, fire it into your phone. You know, there, there was a process. It was a pain in the yeah. arse, as opposed to now where, you know, you just go to the app and boom, there it is. So because of that, we're getting more listeners. More listeners bring new ideas. They bring kind of, um, if you like, new focuses to it. And also, while I'd been quite comfortable doing it my way, I had got too comfortable doing it my way. And when I would have a new idea, um, because I was busy, because you know I'd, I'd worked and everything and was working full time, that I just wouldn't have time to explore it. Whereas I had time to set up the Kevin Thompson interview, I've got time to prepare for the Q and A pods, I've got time to push the subscription service forward, I've got time to do all of this. So that's the, the, the that kind of was what sparked the, the the change. And you know the guys at Playback are always really supportive and they're always full of ideas, but they also never. They, they, they understand that it's my baby and they never insist on things but I do try to accommodate them because they're so uh, good with us so having them as a partner is, is, is a real help and because of that that I then also I can, I can tell from them things that work in their kind of podcast empire for want of a better word that you know, well, this show tried this and it's worked quite well, and I'll go, okay, you know, that sounds good. But then there's other things that they'll say, well, this worked well for us, and I say, might work well for that support. It's not going to work for the Rangers support. Um, trust me, I know them. <laughs> I am one of them. And because of that, I, I'm able to kind of make a, a value call on whether or not it's worth pursuing or not. But I think that, that in the main, uh, we, the freedom that we've got is is a huge part of it. And now, having, if you like, almost sort of taking the blinkers off of what the show can be. I'm really excited by the amount of possibilities now that I can say, well, yeah, yeah, why not? And I think that that, for years of just saying, we're good at this, we're going to stay in our lane, people like this, this is what we'll do, that I think now I'm confident enough in the show and myself and if you like, in, in the relationship that we've built up with the listeners and the trust that they have in us, that I don't mind experimenting a bit more. And, and like I say, some of them, tell you this right now, some of them won't work. Some of them will be absolute disasters. Um, and that's cool now because I think the audience will go... I, one of the things I love about Rangers fans and, and Scottish people in, in particular but is, is to go, that was fucking terrible, Davey, but uh, you know, looking forward to the next one. You know, and, and that gives you, if you like, almost that free pass to go and try new things. And I guess with that natural evolution and growth this year and more time to do it, it's not exactly been a year short on topics from Warburton to Kashinia to the SPFL announcement in July, mm. which was a hoot, to Kevin Thompson to preview shows. What, what's, what's been the, the best response to a pod that you've done or, or even just one that sticks in the mind? And conversely, what's been the worst reaction you've had? We've never had an awful reaction, as in, you know, people kind of up in arms and angry at us. You always, almost every episode, you will get people who will say, I disagree with this, but that's cool, you know, you're talking about something that people care a lot about that you can have, you know, myriad opinions on. So, of course, certain people are going to disagree with you, and, and, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, all I'd say is if you listen to the pod every week and you disagree every week, then probably it's not on your wavelength and it's, it's probably not worth listening to anymore. Um, the, that I don't I don't understand when people listen and then complain every week. It's like, mate, you're not going to enjoy this. Don't don't listen to it. 
the best reactions I can remember um, after the league win, the first one of the new season after administration, because I think we started it with a quite, um, you know, fuck you attitude. Uh, and interestingly, that summer I went to play back and I said, "Look, you know, we're we're a third division club now. Um, do you do you are you interested in continuing this?" Uh, and they said, "Well, of course, you're Rangers. Don't be stupid. You know, you, like your fans are going to disappear." Um, and, and doesn't that tell you something about the Rangers support? We'd been put in at Division Three, and everybody knew our fans were going to stick around. So. Um, uh, there was one we did after Mike Ashley when he won the first sort of AGM when the when the good guys lost the first AGM that I think was very sombre but but very measured um, and I think people people reacted well to it although I wouldn't say enjoyed is the right word because it was such a a, a sad time and a sad period but I think that they they appreciated the the, the the content and the effort that that we'd put in to try and at least contextualise it, um, and then as I say, the Q and A ones um, are usually uh, I, I usually very touchingly personally get a get a good response to. And in fact, the one we did last week, uh, shameless plug. Um, although if this is your first episode of Heart and Hand, I wouldn't. This is not typical. <laughs> there are other, you know, there are funnier ones. But the the reaction to the one that we that I did last week, I think, because again, you develop a relationship with the listeners, and I think that they begin to get to know us, you know, the, the podders almost as people. And the questions last week, you know, some of them were a bit more about me and a bit more personal. And at first, I would never have entertained answering them. Uh, those would have been ones that I would have left out, but I thought, no, you know what? These people are kind enough to give me their time of you know, twice a week. I, I think I owe them at least that. And as I mentioned on that show, the one thing about this pod is that it's always honest. Everyone who's on it is honest. If I thought for a second that someone was grandstanding, was saying things to be popular, was saying things to be unpopular, you know, they might get a kick out of that, you know, kind of Sutton-esque, if you like, um, or was playing a role, like, oh, I'm going to be the heart and hand cartoon villain, I'm going to be the heart and hand really good guy, they wouldn't be back on it, um, that that would better be done, because I think the audience would smell inauthenticity in a second, and then we're dead if that happens. Um, and I personally, you wouldn't want to be involved in a pod like that, and again, it comes back to the things where you, if we ever start doing things that are instead of just let's talk about this and, you know, hope it's a good show, if we start going, what can we do to top that, then we're fucked. Because that's when you start to, as I say, get desperate and do stupid things and become a parody of yourselves and I, I will I will, fit, I will end the show before that happens. One of the one of the key founding principles that you talked about, David, was it's effectively we're all mates. We're, we're basically just guys chatting in some kind of cyber pub with Pepsi for you and I, mm. um, and, and and that that's always been the case. And I think what what's for me what's interesting is we're a bunch of mates chatting that have all got different backgrounds, different beliefs, different politics, etc., etc. There's almost a kind of, you know, a difference of opinion all the way through. Might end up agreeing, but that's, that, that's just the way it goes. In terms of that um, editorial piece, you talked earlier about 
you know, there's there's not masses of planning. We just talk. Mm. I think um, no real parameters apart from the ones you mentioned. Maybe don't swear too much unless it's Warburton getting emptied or not quite sectarian enough or not quite racist enough or whatever. Yeah, there, there are certain words that you're not allowed to say. Any, any new podder on this uh, is informed before they begin. <laughs> there are certain words that are going to get us shut down, so yes, we steer clear of those. But in terms of actually editing the pod, I'm assuming that there's, there's not much to do once it's recorded. Less and less the longer it goes, yeah, um, because everyone is comfortable. Right, like at the start, things would break down or I wouldn't be happy with a particular bit of the show or I would feel that somebody had rambled on, Mark, and was uninterruptible, Mark. Um, and I would just thought, is it, no, that's not going in, we're not doing that, or, you know, what are you talking about? So... Back then, yeah, I mean, the first couple of years. But after that, everybody sort of learned, if you like, what... Because I knew what I wanted. And then after a while, everybody, I think, sort of realised... I would never cut something out because somebody disagreed with me. I mean, that that's, you know, that, that would be idiotic. I'd be as well doing, doing the show on my own if I wanted to do that. Um, but it would generally just be that someone starts warbling on about something unrelated or... I think a lot of it comes from in, in the workplaces that I've been in where you have meetings. I'm sure a lot of listeners can um, can empathise with this. Where you have meetings and there's maybe 10 people there and two or three of them start a conversation that excludes the other seven and you're sitting there like a fanny waiting for these people to finish. That that was, if there were times on the pod when people would maybe get into something that wasn't relevant to the overall show, then, you know, take it out kind of thing. And, yeah, yeah there, there are times that, that some of the podders might want to go off on... So, and like I say, I keep coming back to that, you know, narrow parameters. So if somebody wants to come on and start talking about politics, and I mean other than maybe just a general thing or a joke, um, like the, the independence referendum would, would, would be a good... We pretty much avoided that. I think you you would know listening to the pod how we all felt about it, but we didn't use it as a soapbox. I was pretty determined about that because it was everywhere at that point and I thought the last thing that the listeners need is us starting that. So, yeah, there's a lot less editing now. Generally, it might just be things like somebody's mic's not working, there's noise. Um, they, you know, in my case, you know, the dogs start barking. You know, it really is just as dull and mechanical as that. But in terms of the actual content, very rarely now do I have to make significant cuts to the show. Uh, as I say, it's more just mechanical things. And Playback Media, they've, they've been on the journey since pretty much since, since the outset. Yeah. Um, you talked about them earlier. and t- how, how supportive are they? Do, do, do they want any editorial content? And also, uh, the thing that always amuses me is, how much noise do they get from interested listeners that don't support Rangers? Loads, especially at the start. And I think over the years that the, that the listeners have twigged that when they email Playback Media to complain about me, Playback forward it to me to deal with, and I don't give a fuck. So I think they realise after a while that it was kind of pointless to do that. They've been great. You know, they've been always really supportive with us. They've never never have come and said you need to 
take that out, you need to get rid of that, or we've listened to the show, we can't have this, we can't have that. Again, right at the start, we agreed certain things that it wasn't going to be like, you know, Mason Boyncute, you know, it wasn't going to be that sort of show. Um, and other than that, they've just they've just let me run with it. At the start, as I say, they maybe kind of say, well, we've got, if you like, a house style and I said, well, I want to change this or that about it. And, they, and even at that, they were, they were really, really cool. So they've, they've never interfered with it. And they've always been quite supportive of anything that that uh, I've needed. And they've always had their back. I mean, there was a recent example of that, and they had their back with, with things like that. But, uh, yeah, when they get noise from from other people, I don't think it particularly bothers them um, too much. Because, they get, you know, they, they run an arsenal on a Spurs pod, uh, for example, and those two pods are not exactly complimentary about the other one. You know, they're on a Chelsea pod that Phil Daniels is, is on quite a lot, and again, you know, they, they get a lot of feedback on that. And I think they understand that that, that they're very internet savvy, um, the, the guys who run it. And I think that they understand that on the internet, uh, and particularly, or sorry, obviously only on social media. That you get a lot of list, uh, a lot of people who are going out of their way to be offended. So you know, I, I think if I ever crossed the line, that they would pull me up on it, uh, and I think that that that's cool because you need that in place. But so far, they haven't. And how are they on the advert the, the the advertising front? I mean, I guess you know, I, I, I do you know, I subscribe to a good few pods myself, David, and. Some of them you tend to get adverts kind of rammed down your throat. Mm. How are playback media with that? They handle the adverts, so you know I remember the infamous flappy wabbit one. That was that was nothing to do with me. Uh, Catherine Ryan, that's nothing to do with me. Um, you know, if you're fed up with those adverts, you want a more local one, then get in touch with me, and I'll I'll do you an ad and I'll put it in the body of the show kind of thing. But they the, the adverts tend to be there, tend to be the, uh, those guys sort that out. And that's good because that's not an area that I'd be that interested in, in dealing with. And also, unless you're going to pay us stupid amounts of money, and you're not going to get any editorial control. So, you know, we had an incident earlier this season when there was a belief, if you like, from uh, an outside company that they could have an editorial say in what went into the show, and they don't. And I. And I'll do it myself and shut it down and just you know put it out on YouTube before I start letting people say you need to apologise for this, you need to apologise for that. That's never going to happen. Um, I think that if you want to be involved in the program, then you know you should know what the program is by this stage, and that there will be there will be things in the show that offend people because they're designed to offend people. If I say something offensive about Celtic, it's because I want to be offensive about Celtic. If I say something offensive about Aberdeen, it's because I want to be offensive about Aberdeen. If I say something that's illegally offensive about you know a group of people based on race, religion, colour, or creed, then that's different and report me to the cops. But you know because the nasty man was nasty about your football club why don't you just go and fuck yourself would be my message and I think that for any organisations that you know want to be involved in the pod and say well we can't we, oh you know we've got a wide customer base and we can't be we can't um, you know be offend, you know let anyone be offended it's like well it's, it's not going to work and at the end of the day I 
again would shut the pod down before I would apologise to Celtic supporters, for example, about the content of the show. I would genuinely just say thanks, both for the good run and shut it down. So, yeah. But again, like I say, you know, in terms of support from playback at any point or anything like that's real that's said, it's been brilliant. But if you don't like, you know, the, the scheduling of the adverts, that's that's uh, it's out of my control. I am walking away and pleading the fifth on that one. And I think in terms of that, uh, oh, fuck yourself attitude, I think that's something that all the podders have had since day one, yeah. to be honest, David. Yeah, and, I, and so you should, because if I invited you on this and I told you what you couldn't couldn't say, you wouldn't do it. So it works that way with the pod as a whole. Um, you know, if I told you, or Mark, or, or Scott... Um, I, I, I disagree with that, so you can't say it. You would go, well, fuck you. Um, and you wouldn't do it. So I, I can't... Uh, I think it's only fair that the whole show operates in that manner. So moving on, um, we finally, in April, did the first live pod. I think we started talking about it maybe 2014 or something like that. Yeah, uh, 2013. 2013. Um, and, and we finally got there. Mm. Talk, talk to us, David, about your uh, feeling. So, so we announced it, and, and I think we all agreed to do it. And then me personally, I boxed it off and humped it to the back of my brain, probably until a week and a half or so until it was actually going to happen. Um, and then I'll freely admit, personally, I was shite myself on the <laughs> night and got pissed. Um, <laughs> So, uh, uh, t- t- tell me, tell me about your feelings on the run up and and uh, even even just from the and the tickets went out. What was the journey like for you? The idea to do it, people had asked almost from the start when you're doing a live pod, when you're doing a live pod, and playback started saying to us, "You should do a live pod." Not um, we want you know, but just David, you should do a live pod. You know, pe- people like them. We do them with Spurs. The Spurs do ones you know every month. Um, the Spurs show. And they were like, you should do these, they're a lot of fun, you'll enjoy it. But then, about two or three years in, I mentioned this in the show the other week, that the process to record that was becoming so laborious and time-consuming that we needed we needed new equipment. And I did a Kickstarter campaign for it. And uh, the audience, in the first of... I always underrate our audience and I I apologise to you all for that because I always... Because I can't get my head round that what is essentially me sitting talking to my mates matters to anybody. But with the Kickstarter, I set this, this target literally just enough to buy the stuff we needed and we beat it. And one of the things I'd said in it was, you know, if, you do, if, you, if we hit this, we'll do a live pod. And... I kept meaning to, and then just for for the first couple of months after it, we just we just couldn't, and then you know, job was so busy and whatnot. Then one of the podders had uh, a situation where a close relative was very very ill, and uh, he he had to almost become a carer for a while. So that kind of put it in the back burner. Then I got ill, and I was was, was seriously ill, and I for three months couldn't uh, didn't even do the pod, couldn't. Do the pod, so there was there was always something, and again I'll say that for our audience, they never bitched about it. They never ever said, you know, you bastard, or got the fraud squad in. You know, <laughs> you promised us this, and uh, we donated, and you know, you you did. But it was always in my mind that I am going to do this uh, for them. But 
obviously, I mean, you know me, I don't like social situations, and it's the it's the ex it's the ex drinker thing that it's just not fun for me being in a pub. Not because I think, um, you know, I can't walk into a pub because, or I can't walk into a, a, a social event because I think I'm going to take a drink. I mean, it's a long time since I had a drink, and uh, it, it's not a consideration. But I just I just just don't enjoy it. I feel awkward and. Um, I, 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 it wasn't something I was particularly looking forward to, but I, but it was owed. So literally the first day after um, I stopped, I stopped working. I thought I'm going to organise this, and I did. And the Loudon Tavern, who were magnificent and are, and are just so good to us, so good to. I cannot say enough about them. I honestly can't. They're just wonderful um, to us and arranged it and I put the pause out and you'll remember this I said right lads I'm, I'm doing here's this live show we've got uh, X amount of tickets that we need to keep I think it's 30 that we had to keep back for people who had contributed to the, a certain amount to the Kickstarter and we're going to do this live show at the light, and then that's it done and then I don't need to feel guilty anymore and we've, we've honoured a commitment better late Better late than never really occurs uh, or really uh, fits this situation. And we said, right, okay, how many, how many tickets does that leave us? And it was, I think, 170. And I said, right, okay, well, listen, we've got six weeks to... that. That's actually why it was scheduled for six weeks after that, that date, because I said, right, we've got six weeks, that's six shows where we can hammer these tickets and just, you know, really try and push... And we'll see if we can get these tickets sold. With the idea being that if I can get over a hundred, the pub says it's worth doing. You know, under that, then you know they might take a loss, and we can't have them doing that. Um, but let's see if we can push it. And we put them out on a Friday night without having mentioned it on the pod because I just put them out straight away without thinking. You know, because I thought I'll mention this in the pod on Monday, and then we'll start the push. And they sold it that night. So like five and a half hours, and we couldn't believe it. I was sitting, remember texting you guys, just saying fifty percent of tickets gone, sixty percent. You know, we were just we we're all high as a kite. You know, we couldn't believe it. Um, coming to the show itself, yep. Um, I wasn't nervous because um, the one thing I'm good at is I think that I can I give good David. Do you know what I mean? I think if I get put into a situation where there's pressure, the natural show off in me comes out, and I, I I'm good with it. But I know, you know, you say you're shitting yourself on the night. Cami was horrendous the week before. What are we talking about? What's the agenda? What are we going to do? What are we going to say? And I'm probably, if you like, in inverted commas, uh, the worst boss you could have in that situation because I'm just going, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, and he's got no. But what, what, what are we going to say? What are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? And I'm going, ah, we'll, we'll work it out, it'll be cool, don't worry, we're just going to do it. Because um, I'm a, you know me, mate, punk rock, head down, arse up and get on with it. I, I'm not a great um, one for planning or rehearsing sort of thing. And we did it and it went well and people seemed to enjoy it and that was it. Um wasn't doing it again um, because, as I say, you know, I'd, I'd wanted to get one done and it was done and we'd done under commitment and we were finished and that was it. And then people started saying, I really enjoyed it, will you do another one? No. And people started saying, I couldn't go to it, will you do another one? No. And then after a few while, I was like, you're being a bit of a dick here. So I said, okay, we'll do a second one. 
thinking it's probably too early, but we'll just do it and then I don't need to do it again, right? And this time the tickets went in 34 minutes. Again, because I did, I really, really didn't think this one would sell it. I just, I, I could not get my head around that because it was so soon after the last one. And I can absolutely validate that. I mean, you were texting the night before going, I, I, I don't even know why we're doing this. It won't sell out. Mm. No, and of course, you know, myself and Scott and Cammy are almost looking at each other through 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 text messages going, what the fuck are you on about? Of course it'll sell out. No, I, I, I just couldn't believe it again. I underrate the audience sometimes, I underrate the level of support for us, and I shouldn't because, as I say, time after time after time they come through for us, but I'm like, okay, we'll put these up, and again, didn't mention it on the show, because, again, thought we're going to really need work to move. I mean, I was actually saying to you guys, remember, how many family members can you bring? Because you know, if there's five of us and we can all, we can all bring like 20, then that'll, that'll at least get us to the breaking point. And they sold it in 34 minutes. So with the third one, um, it was just, I thought, well, there's obviously a demand for this. So, But again, to try and, to try and freshen it up a little, um, we booked Kevin Thompson and... We got Kevin to come along, uh, and we did mention that on the podcast this time that tickets will be available, and they sold it in two minutes and twenty four seconds, and I could not believe it. And now on top of you guys going, we should book somewhere bigger. I know if Kevin Thompson going, Davey, we should book somewhere bigger. Um, but of course, me being, uh, shall we say, a, a cautious driver, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know, we'll, we'll see. But we're we're gonna do more in the new year because I know loads of people did miss out on tickets for this and and are unhappy and and I absolutely understand that there's nothing worse. So my suspicion is that if you haven't had a ticket before, then obviously with each one, the people who've been before don't want to come, and therefore we will get to a certain level. But uh, you know we, we we're. we're had offers, as you'll know, I mean, you you brought one of them to, to the table to do them elsewhere. And again, it's... If you want me to do something, always remember my first response will be no. It just... My, I automatically say no to stuff. And the best thing to do is to just let the seed grow and then mention it to me occasionally. Don't over push because then I'll definitely my back will go up and I'll say no but um, if you go well you know have you thought but you know it's, it's still worth doing mate and that is starting to take hold so you know if anybody's out there and you know you, you have a hall you can set us up with and you think you think we can fill it then then let me know and, and it's something that, that I would think about but again I don't really it's the same with this one and again people saying what are you going to do at this and I'm like I've got a vague idea I'll, I'll know on the night um I haven't yet stood in front of a crowd with a microphone and dried up. When that happens, I'll probably begin to think we need a bit more planning. But it also means that we don't repeat spots. You know, we don't come up with something popular and, and do it again, which is good because, for one thing, I wouldn't remember it, but it means that you don't do an act, and I don't want it to be a show where it becomes like the, you know, like going to see a comedian, that, which there's nothing wrong with, but that you go and it's the same thing every time. That's that's not what we're going to do. Although I do promise for those you come to live one that there is one particular line I will get Kevin to say. <laughs> and there's always going to be a Mark Dingwall story in there somewhere. Absolutely. Um, all, 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 all I'd say to wrap up the live pod, but uh, David is uh, San Diego loyal. 
more than happy just make that offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pfizer would be more than happy, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're what, about an hour in, David. So this this year has seen, for for me, just remarkable growth. You know, mm. we've had, um, and coinciding with 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 clearly your your uh, your positive personal situation, uh, with the the onset of the YouTube channel after match content, including the other week, pretty much from the ground. Mm. The odd Periscope live if, if something breaking happens. Two pods a week. Uh, flagship show and the extra show. We've had live pods. And for me, it's just kind of consciously charging ahead, yeah. bra- you know, branching out and grasping new age social media. Um, and there's that realisation for me that people by and large, and that includes people who are new to the pods and we're seeing it every single week we're getting new people mm. people by and large don't want to listen to ill-informed paid agenda driven hacks basically yeah that, that that's that, that's my view of this year well i i don't I, personally and that's why i listen to uh you know podcasts of of clubs and whatnot rather than the media because i don't personally so i, I can totally understand where people are coming from so with that in mind how, how's How's this year been for you? Just you know, just just in general terms of the the I what I see as being the huge growth of the pod. It's been really exciting because you you know you're obviously it's obviously pleasant that people are enjoying what we do. Um, but one of the things about not wanting to do two pods before was, well, we'll just end up repeating what we're doing, and we'll just end up diluting the the content of the pod. And I always think it's better to do less than more. Um, I mean, for years the pod was thirty-five to forty minutes because that was the received wisdom. I mean, that—that's what they, you know. If you read any book on podcasting, they will tell you thirty-five to forty minutes is the optimum length. Do not go above that. Um, but the audience said, actually, we'd really rather you did um, and do it a, a, a bit longer. Um, so we started to do that, and then by making the Friday show different. But that meant having to get in different contributors and having to get in more people. And again, the one, the golden rule, if you want to be on the show, you have to be a mate of mine. It's stuck and it's still people because otherwise it's not going to sound like a conversation between two mates because we're not mates. Um, the exception of X Rangers players, obviously, I will I will make exceptions for. Um, but again, I wouldn't, we wouldn't have them on this show. You know, they wouldn't be on the Monday show. They would, I would, you know, do interviews or do special things with them. But I wouldn't do special things with them. That sounds a bit kinky. Certain ones of them I would actually. You know, Brian Loudrop. Let's, let's go do that. I suppose. Ah, exactly. Let's go for that kind of thing. So yeah, and it's just about then to putting ideas into place. Like you know, we did a YouTube show last week that we were starting called Scott's Thoughts and. That's Scott's got the ball with that one. It's just, what do you want to do? And last week he wanted to talk about the Asian Champions League, and you know, I not something I'm uh, particularly well versed in, but it's something he wanted to talk about. And I know that anything he wants to do in that show, by all means, you know, I'd be more than happy to let him to let him go and do it. Same with all you guys, you know, if you come to me and say I'd like to do this, and I, I, we'll give it a try. And that's what the subscription service is for as well, because we're going to have content that's different. 
we're going to, you know, as I say, people with individual ideas, we're going to have a daily news update that will just be, you don't need to go to Radio Clyde or Radio Scotland, you can get your news from us with a little bit of analysis that you know is coming from people who are Rangers supporters, where you're not going to get, you know, the Monday after a, a win at Partick Thistle, you're not going to get uh, on our daily news guys going, did we over-celebrate, you know, pish like that, we're going to talk about stuff that that's actually relevant to being being a Rangers fan, um, but you'll get things like, you know, uh, discussing old, you and I are talking about a thing already where um, we're going to discuss Advocates first first year at Ibrox but we'll, we'll break it down almost month by month, I, I said to you, I was like that's going to be a three or four parter, there's no way we could do that in one in one hour you know, that that's going to be a longer show but I, I think that'd be interesting, it's the kind of thing I'd like to listen to and we'll do that for various things or player profiles or, you know, um uh, you know, guys can can phone in and, and phone ins. That's something I know. A lot of our supporters miss being able to take part in phone ins, but clearly don't want to talk to the, the kind of people who are on phone ins at the moment. and know the way they'll be treated because they're Rangers fans. So you know, we'll be doing live phone ins maybe after the match, maybe one in midweek or whatever. Q and A sessions with certain podders, interviews with ex players, all of that kind of stuff. Um, you know, with Ian McCall on from the Founders Trail, and I mean Ian. I think just barely barely scratched the surface of the stuff that he does so we'll have him on um, to talk about you know his research and, and the gallant pioneers in the club we'll get guys who are experts on 20s, 30s, 40s Rangers you know we'll have guys who worked in the 60s I'll go and speak to people who, who have got stories to tell that I think are, are of use or of interest to the Rangers family and become if you like a more complete service but still at the heart of it will be the flagship Monday show, which will still be us talking nonsense, having a laugh, discussing what's, what's been going on. That's that's the plan. Um, and I know for those of you who are missing, for example, Scott's... Uh, um, you have Scott's Sporting Integrity Award. Um, you know that we'll have a show that is just Scott's Sporting Integrity Award because that way with the subscription service, if you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to. But if you do, it's there, and it will give you it will give you those opportunities. So yeah, at the moment with so many ideas, and now I've got the time. The more successful the subscription service gets, the more resources I'll have to put back into it because you know you know financially I'm doing all right in life and it's not to make a fortune it's that I'm doing all right so long as I'm careful with my money (laughs) and that's why I'm not working but I don't really have a lot to in terms of investing in in the show whereas with this it's kind of like the money that comes in will almost go straight back out um but you know into producing more and more content and better content and better sounding content, richer sounding content, speaking to people where it may cost us some money, be it for, you know, to get them or to travel to them or whatever. Then the next stage is you start to get better video equipment and we can start to make videos and, and there's just so many opportunities. And again, this is where if, if people come to us and say with the subscription service, people come to us and say, I've got an idea for a show, um, great, go ahead, make it, come on and, and you know, we'll We'll give you, we'll give you a home. We'll give you an audience to kick it off, and it may be that people come on and and do, you know, a podcast that takes off and they go off and leave us and and do their own thing, and that would be brilliant. That would be fun. I would love that if someone, you know, maybe started on our network and then was able to take advantage of the kind of inbuilt listener base we have to launch their own thing and then go off and do it totally independently. I would love that. That would be that would be outstanding. So. 
that those are the plans, and I, I honestly do think you know I know it sounds a wee bit market and speak here, but twenty eighteen. I think that certainly from if you're a fan of Heart and Hand, then I really think you're going to enjoy what we've got coming up. So exciting! I and I'll freely admit, uh, David, I'm on the board from time to time. I'm I'm really excited about it. I, I like the change in the content. Uh, I I actually quite like the the the, the extra show, the preview show. Mm. I get to talk about the party festival centre forward and why is a wee prick and all this kind of stuff. I quite like that, so hopefully the listeners do. But I think that's the key for you know it shows for the listeners. So yeah. that's a challenge. That's a challenge for the listeners. Keep 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 telling us what you want to hear. Yeah, and and you know that's the thing. Again, there will always be with us one decision maker, and like I say, for better or for worse, for right or for wrong, it's me, and that's you know. Not me being a prick. If you, you know, or any of the podders came to me with an idea, I'd be happy to, you know, listen to it and push it forward. But it still has to fit in with what I want, what my vision is for the show or for, you know, the whole brand, for want of a better word. Um, and I think that that's cool because it will keep us from, if you like, going off in too many directions and try to be all things to all people. Because we can't be, we won't be, um, but we can provide content that. The best way to describe it is, I think we're very, we've got a lot of potential for a wide range of stuff in a very narrow genre, would be how I would describe it. So, like, when people say to me, you've got wide musical tastes, it's pretty much all guitar-based. Um, so, I mean, yes, it's like, you know, I like Metallica um, all the way through to kind of, like, really fey, fey pop music, do you know what I mean? Like, like Sarah Records. But, it's still all essentially guitar music. It's not like I'm a big fan of funk or soul or whatever or rap or whatever. So it's a wide range in a narrow genre. And I think that that's what Heart and Hand will be. There'll be fan-created, fan-led, fan-based pods for fans um, and content for fans. And that's what people, uh, I think, can expect from us. So, David, I think we'll can it there. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, it's been... Interesting for me. Yeah. I hope it's been interesting for you. I'm knackered. I, I'm not. I don't like this. <laughs> you know? I, I, I'll, I'll freely admit you can do the hosting next time. Yeah. Um, but guys, listeners, if you want to get in contact, uh, David is at Ibrooks Rocks. You can get in touch on the Facebook. Just search for Heart and Hand, uh, and you can find me in Twitter sphere at Vanderhog. All that remains is to thank our executive producers, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, uh, to say we are the people and we'll speak to you soon. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.